Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Seaweed Brain. Today, we have a very special guest with us to discuss the beginnings of Tartarus. We're there. We are finally in hell. I'm so happy to be here. So stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Nine days. As she fell, Annabeth thought about Hesiod, the old Greek poet who'd speculated it would take nine days to fall from Earth to Tartarus. She hoped Hesiod was wrong. She'd lost track of how long Percy and she had been falling. Hours? A day? It felt like eternity. They'd been holding hands ever since they dropped into the chasm. Now Percy pulled her close, hugging her tight as they tumbled through absolute darkness. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's that time. It's that episode. <laughs> you, y'all, 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 y'all. I said I was going to turn into the most annoying version of myself as soon as we started recording, and it's absolutely <laughs> happened. I'm so excited to be here. Carter and I are joined by a returning guest, Caitlin. Hi, Caitlin. Hello. I am back. How has it been going? Give us a quick little check-in. A lot of things are going. I think the most biggest thing, I guess, in my life at the moment, I'm graduating really soon, actually. I have, like, one semester left. <gasps> yes! Of college university whatever you call it that is very exciting we're so happy for you to join our ranks of <laughs> depressed college graduates talking about Percival. it's a new world really on the other side just kidding it's the, the same. grass is greener on the other side truly carter and i are here to tell our listeners as well as you caitlin that we've made a new Percibeth playlist that is site specific to this novel and their journey through Tartarus. It was an absolutely violent, personally <laughs> painful, harmful thing for me to do with my time this week, while at the same time being very rewarding. And so I hope that it feels equally as violent and rewarding to everybody who listens to it as well. Yeah, we'll link it in our show notes. I can't wait for it. <laughs> Does anyone need to get anything off their chest before we start talking about this and read these four Annabeth? POV chapters out loud, basically? No, I just want to get right into it. Let's just go. <laughs> Let's do it! Carter, do you want to start with these bullets? Okay, as, <laughs> as you got from that reading that started us off, we check in with Annabeth as she and Percy are just falling. Falling into Tartarus for a long time. I guess we really should start with the imagery that we have here. So, the imagery. at this point, we are still in darkness. There isn't anything going on. A few passages later, we get this line about how we start to see the beginnings of light and that's how they decide how they're going to stand. But at this moment, we are total darkness and they are intertwined. They are embracing as they fall 
and unable to see anything. That is, that, that's how we start off. <laughs> mm -hmm. I sense a pun in this document. Can the author of this pun please speak up and read it out loud? Oh. This one <laughs> All right. So what I wrote in our like little show notes is <laughs> I've been falling for them for years in actual fact. Um, <laughs> and yeah, pretty much that's my bisexual awakening right there. I think yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the embrace. I filled our outline with images of Persebeth Tartarus specific art that people made. I'll try to post all of them if I can locate all of the proper credits, but if you were not around circa 2013 online in this fandom, this embrace had a hold on us. It, it has a hold on me still. still. yeah. It's like, it never, we never let go. No. The way so much of the art that people made for this book is just Percy and Annabeth squeezing each other. They are intertwined, holding on for dear life. But the cover of this book, the original cover art, is my favorite cover in all of Rick's books. It's Annabeth and Percy like holding each other up and Percy like glancing back at something chasing them. The cover really is directly to the point which I think raises the question, why wasn't the book? Not to, not to do whatever. I, I feel like I've said the same thing about the ending Leo chapter for The Mark of Athena. This book as well, no shade to anyone involved. I love, I love Hazel. We respect Rick Riordan very greatly. I'm a little confused about why we did not open on this image, but... It's okay. Mm. It's okay because we got it. I think it was an added cliffhanger. I absolutely see where Rick was coming from with that. He he gave us a little ha 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 in all caps during the dedication. And then he wanted to just extend it a little bit further and not tell us what was happening yet. But by virtue of that, I literally forgot everything that happened in those first chapters from Hazel's POV because I distinctly <laughs> skipped them, I think. Exactly. Just You're just sprinting through it. There's something else waiting on the other end. Those are, those are cool, important they chapters. Are. Would be... I read them for the first time two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait oh my gosh if i remember this correctly because i think when i first started reading the percy jackson books it was around the time mark of athena had just been released and like i didn't want to read like all of the books all at once so i went to house of hades and i i'm pretty sure i did the same thing i just read the percy and annabeth <laughs> chapters and i was like what are they doing in Tartarus? and what did i miss in the first three books <laughs> because i just like skipped like three books i was like no i want percy and annabeth i respect that <laughs> what you need in concentrate form take only that so i was just basically wanted to just talk about the beauty of them like holding hands like and it's in the court they were originally just holding hands but then he pulls her close and then there's that parallel to Lost Olympian. Like, if you guys remember, remember when they're on, like, Olympus and Olympus is, like, crashing on, on top of them and then, like, Annabeth in her bad arm, she trips. But, like, Percy grabs her and he doesn't let go. But then this time there's no one else to help pull her up and, like, it's just them two falling and it's just, it hurts because you can see that parallel and they've come so far. You know how far we've come? <laughs> you know that song? Let's see how far we've come, <laughs> shall we? I'm going to start crying. <laughs> We're all going to cry. I I'm emotionally volatile. As I said, I've been watching videos of U.S. Olympics women's gymnastics team, and I can't, like, hear about them without crying. So the women's gymnastics team combined with Persebeth in this episode, I will be shedding tears tonight. It's like the two things that make me the most emotional. No, very good. No, very good. <laughs> Corner, do you want to mention this? Yeah, this is partially about this image and partially just about the entire journey that we're about to embark upon. This is as good as time as any to talk about this. 
when we were making the playlist, I think for me personally, I felt very much like there was some music that I wanted to include, but also I felt like there were gaps, you know, where mu- I expected music to be. I totally agree. And we couldn't find some things. Whereas like, you know, there's such a specificity to this moment where they're falling together, where they're both injured, where there's such an equality in their relationship that's yes. being portrayed, yes. where there is like a companionship based around... Mm-hmm you know love but also like mutual need but also like respect and like work requirements <laughs> soulmates little soulmates. yes it's soulmate soulmates. stuff but like the soulmate energy is so specific where it's like a lot of songs that talk about soulmateness are very much like me telling another person that you are cool or like talking about the social context for a relationship perhaps and like very little of it is is about this specific energy of just being in, in a void with mm-hmm. another person and having the nature of that relationship within the void being so mutual, so mutual and so rich, giving so much history woven into a present in a way, you know, do you, I feel like I know, this is the I know exactly I what you're trying to say. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm losing I, myself I a little bit, but I know in my head where, where I'm going. And I know this. too. <laughs> I think we all do. Yeah, I added so many songs onto our little Tartarus playlist and then took them off like 30 minutes later because I was like, this doesn't actually fit. This is not them. There's either a component of this lyric that talks about like mistakes that they've made or an apology for something or something that just is not relevant to this relationship between the two of them and so we kept it kind of short and sweet with only the things that we really felt applied because it is such a unique special relationship partially because you know we don't want to condone falling into tartarus um with your significant other just to suffer um romantically but when it happens it happens it you know? do be like that sometimes i will be crying about playlists later okay she wrapped her arms around percy and tried not to sob she never expected her life to be easy most demigods died young at the hands of terrible monsters. That was the way it had been since ancient times. The Greeks invented tragedy. They knew the greatest heroes didn't get happy endings. Still, this wasn't fair. She'd gone through so much to retrieve that statue of Athena. Just when she'd succeeded, when things had been looking up and she'd been reunited with Percy, they had plunged to their deaths. Oh, gosh. Wow. <laughs> it's so powerful. It is. Still, this wasn't fair complain complain about it do yell at the heavens it's not fair at all the way this speaks to annabeth's personality and her fatal flaw of being proud and thinking she knows how things work and how things should work and when things don't go the way that they should it's devastating to her and it says in this passage she didn't expect to have a real happy ending she didn't expect her life to be easy she assumed she would die at a young age but this this is too much and it is pissing her the fuck off excuse my language because she should not be having to deal with this the young adult angst of it all the true tea of having to deal with way too much that you did not sign up for in this life it also reminds me of did you guys also think back to this the sphinx scene in the battle of the labyrinth i saw the note and i was like that's it's very true yeah she just says this isn't fair i know what i can do and i know how i should be treated and the challenges that i am built to overcome and this is not it and you need to be acting properly you're not holding up to your end of the bargain it's like so empowering as well to know that like she knows her own value as well yes and it's so great to see that in like a female character like a main fantasy character who knows her values, who's, like, ready to, like, you know, put her foot down, saying, no, I don't deserve this. No, take it back and give me my happy ending. And a note that I put here as well, like, this is only our second time, like, seeing her point of view. And I feel like 
as we said, I think the last time I was on the podcast, I said Rick's characterization of Annabeth is so good. Like she's the only like really well done female character, and it's because we know her the most,、mm-hmm. and that's why we connect so much with her perspectives apart from Percy because she's also like coming home. There are a lot of passages like this in the books, where especially in Heroes of Olympus, we need every one of the seven to give us their own little like, oh, like I understand this sucks, and you should understand that I understand that this sucks. But none of them hit like this. Like the, <laughs> the, there's something about Annabeth's delivery because of the experience we know she has, because of the way that she's yeah, willing、context. to. Yes, the context and the way that she factors into her statement. Like there are certain indignities that she has experienced, and we know that she's experienced, and that she has basically. Just said that's all been fine, but this is different, and because we know that、yeah. it's different, it hits. This one hits different. This is the best encapsulation of that energy. So I don't know if we've said this yet. The outline for this episode—it's not normally like this. It basically has the entire text <laughs> of multiple chapters just transcribed, and we're just reading.、Yeah. Not even from the book. We're reading transcriptions. I wrote it down by by hand. I typed it out because we were dealing with like a twenty five page maybe section of this book, and we're giving it the full treatment anyway. As we should, as we should, the attention it deserves. As we should, as we must. <laughs> Annabeth pressed her lips to Percy's ear. I love you. She wasn't sure he could hear her, if, but if they died, she wanted those to be her last words. Oh, okay. I remember like reading this. I think the first time I was like, she does actually say "I love you" to him in Margot Vithina. Yes. Was、oh, that Charleston? It's when she like drops her knife into the water, and he pops up and says, "Oh, you dropped this." But it's the significance of like her saying it here because she wants it to be her last words rather than a casual like, oh, in the moment kind of "I love you" thing. And it's important to note that it wasn't her first time, but it's the one that I think that counts more. And it doesn't. He doesn't say it back. Yeah, we we got a mailbag episode about this.、Um, for those of you who、um, don't listen to the special episodes, it's okay. We still we still appreciate <laughs> you very much.、Um, that pointed out to us that Annabeth says at this point that we've just gone to. She says, "I love you" twice, and Percy has said it zero times,、um, and she said it like to him. He's heard it. We're pretty sure. Same Percy. <laughs> I think it's important that we acknowledge it and sit with it, and I'm glad it was brought to our attention. But it doesn't. Bother me. I've decided. I didn't notice、all. it the first time.、Yeah. Not even the first time. Like over the recent rereads, if pe- this had not been pointed out by that listener, I would not have noticed this. Like we said, love languages. Love I languages. I up. How? It- oh,、mm-hmm. yes, love languages. They're、oh、quality、God. time people. Yeah,、exactly. they both value quality time. They fell into Tartarus together, so they're acts of service. Quality time acts of together. service. So do they need to say I love you? It's literally acts of service. Yeah, acts of service and quality time. Holding up the weight of the sky. That said, I love you non-verbally. Taking a knife. It's, it's this fine balance where, like, not everyone is the kind of person who says this, but I think also we can hold that intention with the fact that if someone says it to you, I feel like appropriate communication is to respond in some way. But also, like, Rick doesn't. Do a whole thing about this, which I think I appreciate. Does anyone else have this memory of experiencing a lot of media aimed at teenagers, perhaps, where the idea of the conversation about saying "I love you" is like a special episode, or it's like three chapters,、yeah. and that was just not something I ever understood as a kid. So I, I'm gonna shout out Rick for this choice. Kind of, he also could have just said it back. I don't know. I, I... hear me out from this angle. They have a sort of childhood friends to lovers thing. That's kind of、mm-hmm. where we generally slot Persephone,、mm-hmm. and I feel like in those kinds of relationships, you platonically say "I love you" for years. Mm-hmm. Before you say "I love you" in a different way, and so the 
the shift yeah. to those words isn't same necessarily. I feel that. Yeah, I guess it's dependent on like the dynamic you had beforehand, and like I get, like we said before, like the context that they had before that. And I think they probably had been saying like "I love you" platonically beforehand. As you I said. think my personal resolution on this is that Annabeth is not bothered, and therefore I am not bothered. I think for me that feels like a good end of loop on this yes like she knows i'm very comfortable with that <laughs> yeah i'm also comfortable with assuming that percy was literally passed out at this point <laughs> both and <laughs> yeah she tried desperately to think of a plan to save them she was a daughter of athena she'd proven herself in the tunnels under rome beaten a whole series of challenges with only her wits but she couldn't think of any way to reverse or even slow their fall note on that um kind of what we said before about like with the sphinx like Annabeth is a character who is, like, defined by, like, plans and facts and, like, logic. Like, really knowing what the next step is. And I really appreciate that, like, that was followed through in House of Hades. Because what Rick really didn't do a lot in um, Heroes of Olympus was follow through with character traits and his characterization with um, some characters. But, like, we see... Annabeth, we see who she is all throughout this book, and she's like constantly driven to do the next thing, the next right thing. I don't know if you guys watched Frozen 2, you know, the next right thing. Like, that's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Foundational text. (laughs) Like, it's what makes her Annabeth. To see that continue in this like place of despair, it kind of gives you like kind of like a little bit of hope as the reader. Like, I don't know how old you guys were when you were reading this, but, like, it was hitting... (laughs) I was 13, 14, and I really needed someone as strong as Annabeth to, like, be in a position that I was as well and then, like, represent that hope. And then Mm. to the readers as well. We'll talk about it later, about them trying to cheer each other up. It's so nice seeing that familiarity of Annabeth. Mm -hmm. I agree. The way these three first pages of this chapter goes from there's no hope to... I have a plan to there's no hope again to I have a plan is so like emo- what an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> Suddenly the chute they'd been falling through opened into a vast cavern, maybe half a mile below them. Annabeth could see the bottom. For a moment she was too stunned to think properly. The entire island of Manhattan could have fit inside this cavern, and she couldn't even see it to its full extent. Red clouds hung in the air like vaporized blood. The landscape, at least what she could see of it, was rocky blade black plains punctuated by jagged mountains and fiery chasms to annabeth's left the ground dropped off in a series of cliffs like colossal steps leading deeper into the abyss the stench of sulfur made it hard to concentrate but she focused on the ground directly below them and saw a river of glittering black liquid a river percy she yelled in his ear water referencing using manhattan as a reference point that hit I'm glad. so hard. I'm glad somebody else also vibed with this because this is one of those images that stuck with me mm. from reading this. That's an image that we've been training ourselves over the course of the books where Percy lives there and we're constantly zipping in and out of the city. It's it's supposed to be home. The transformation of that into the hellscape. Yes. Striking. It's like they're um, powerful, evocative. It's kind of like they're perverting home. Yes, absolutely. That's like safe. And then the perversion absolutely of that. it. And turning into something that's hellish, it's like it hits harder because it's like, no, Manhattan is safe. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think the imagery of House of Hades, by far, is my favorite. It's also just like high-key unimaginable in that like, 
what does it mean to see something the size of Manhattan? I have no idea. Like, I had to pause and think about that. And like, can I, can I visualize that? Do I have a concept of it? And you kind of don't. And that's kind of the point that, like, yeah. you know it, but you don't. It contextualizes how long that they've been falling. For me, that Annabeth has the time to look at this entire Manhattan-sized cavern and notice all of these specific things. Like, to name the plains, the mountains, the chasms, the steps as she's falling. And you mentioned this later in the outline, Caitlin, about how there's a lot of lines, both from Annabeth and Percy throughout the book, about Tartarus being a living thing. Something that maybe is different, perceived different, depending on who you are within it. And and we don't really know any demigods that have, like, really been in Tartarus before. So the idea that it looks like Manhattan, mm. maybe that's Annabeth just referencing for herself, but maybe it really does look like Manhattan to her. Like, that it's gone into her brain and manifested itself in it's this way. Also, exactly like Mount Olympus. The yes, modernization exactly. of, like, the Western civilization. How it's like, oh, exactly. America. Well, then it would kind of make sense that if she goes into, like, hell, it would also kind of follow through. Oh, yes. mind blown. <laughs> Alright, next passage. She gestured frantically. Percy's face was hard to read in the dim red light. He looked shell-shocked and terrified, but he nodded as if he understood. Percy could control water, assuming that was water below them. He might be able to cushion their fall somehow. Of course, Annabeth had heard horrible stories about the rivers of the underworld. They could take away your memories or burn your body and soul to ashes. But she decided not to think about that. This was their only chance. The river hurtled below them. At the last second, Percy yelled defiantly. The water erupted in a massive geyser that swallowed them whole. I, I wrote here, Pokemon Evolution. <laughs> it's like the best way I could just explain it because he has gotten so overpowered over these last couple books and like he's literally in the depths of hell and he's like shell-shocked and there's so many outside factors and internal factors that are currently happening to him right now but he's still able to manage this again like you still get reminded every now and then like percy is a son of a, the big three like he's the son of poseidon and i love him i love percy jackson so much <laughs> same same girl <laughs> the reason why i think as well house of hades is so like important to me personally is how it really delves into like deep gritty real life issues and because of that it seems so much realer and the stakes are so much higher because it's like oh my gosh my favorite character is going through like literal hell like we always use it as a metaphor as a simile but like when they're literally going through it it's so hard to visualize and then later on we see like an actual accurate depiction of the trauma that the demigods have gone through uh, as like a reflection of what annabeth has gone through and like the quotes that we have are like what's the point of struggling you're dead anyway like you'll leave you'll never leave this place like that shit is painful to read and then we have this next line yeah. which brings out like, that little kernel of hope percy gripped her hand and jolted her back to reality together i love this word together together they kicked upward and broke the surface that is just so important to me that literally like they were both like drowning and like they both pushed upwards together can we also say the imagery Tying this back to when Percy was in the River Styx and Annabeth yep. was the oh, one who yes, pulled yes, him yes, yes, up. Yes. Yes. Guys, I'm crying. Oh my god, it's happening. I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> the tears are coming up. Oh my god. Should I read this absolute god tier Percybeth moment? Let's page, do it. Bottom of page 38. This I'm reading from the book because I felt it needed to be read from the book, from the text itself. <sighs> okay. 
Percy, she shrieked, the river is messing with your mind. It's cachitis, the river of lamentation. It's made of pure misery. Misery, he agreed. Fight it! She kicked and struggled, trying to keep both of them afloat. Another cosmic joke for Gaia to laugh at. Annabeth dies, trying to keep her boyfriend, the son of Poseidon, from drowning. Not going to happen, you hag, Annabeth thought. She hugged Percy tighter and kissed him. Tell me about New Rome, she demanded. What were your plans for us? New Rome? For us? Yeah, seaweed brain. You said we could have a future there. Tell me. Annabeth had never wanted to leave Camp Half-Blood. It was the only real home she'd ever known. But days ago, on the Argo II, Percy had told her that he imagined a future for the two of them among the Roman demigods, in their city of New Rome. Veterans of the Legion could settle down safely, go to college, get married, even have kids. Architecture, Percy murmured, and the fog started to clear from his eyes. I thought you'd like the houses, the parks. There's one street with all those cool fountains. Annabeth started making progress against the current. Her limbs felt like bags of wet sand, but Percy was helping her now. She could see the dark line of the shore about a stone's throw away. College, she gasped. Could we go there together? Yeah, he agreed, a little more confidently. What would you study, Percy? Dunno, he admitted. Marine science, she suggested. Oceanography? Surfing, he asked. She laughed, and the sound sent a shockwave through the water. The wailing faded to background noise. Annabeth wondered if anyone had ever laughed in Tartarus before. Just a pure, simple laugh of pleasure. She doubted it. Oh, I have many notes, but uh, I have a note on like just that final part about the laugh because it's so beautiful, the symbolism of it, the beauty of them bringing light into the literal pits of hell, them kissing, like happiness, something pure, and then talking about their future and then holding each other up. All of this beautiful, wholesome imagery that is like you would contrast it so strongly with what they're surrounded by. Annabeth laughing amidst the sound of wailing and the horror that Rick is painting in the background. Like it's such a beautiful juxtaposition. And again, like it brings that beautiful idea of hope that I just like cling to every time I read this book. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, that's it. That's the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Annabeth wondered if anyone had ever laughed in Tartarus before. What? They're the greatest of all time. They're the first. They did it the best. They're unbeatable. I, I just be reading my note. It's like, I hope my future partner knows that my definition of love is them. And if they can't give it to me, I don't want it. <laughs> that's, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. seeing percy crack jokes through annabeth's perspective is just some kind of drug like it is so (laughs) amazing to hear percy's jokes through her and like what she laughs at what she rolls her eyes at how much she appreciates it every single time he tries to make her smile we've said this so many times in this podcast like girl is a child of athena and she doesn't get to have like a normal education I, I and the, her idea of the future let's talk about college that talk about young adult angst like the idea of trudging through the horrible hellscape of high school holding hands and saying tell me about college we're gonna make it there that's such a narrative and i love that it's percy is the one that says i have plans for us to go to college. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) From there, they land on shore. The water was misery. The air is sulfur. The shore is made of broken glass. We're feeling hopeless again. Percy makes the iconic remark, 
that this place smells like my ex-stepfather. Genius. <laughs> Again, going back to Caitlin's point that she brought up in her outline that Tartar's place to your own nightmares. So the fact that it smells mm-hmm. like Gabe, that brings a whole new level of meaning to it. And Annabeth, she never met Gabe, but he was terrible and she loves Percy for trying to lift her spirits. The way that they, it never goes unmentioned how much they appreciate each other throughout this book. Incredible. They are a team. And she thinks about how if she'd fallen into Tartarus by herself, she would have been doomed and that she would have curled up and cried until she became another host melting into the river. But she wasn't alone. She had Percy and that meant that she couldn't give up. Oh gosh, I just, I love, like, (laughs) this is why I love literature so much, because, like, you have the text, and you can draw as much as you want from the text, but, like, when you really read between the lines, and you can see that, like, Rick is not just saying, like, Percy and Annabeth are, like, trying to get out of hell, like, you can really read into it and be like, the reader, don't give up. That makes my heart warm a little bit, you know? (laughs) Now I'm crying. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond Percybeth, we have each other. We have other people. The meaning of life is other people. And it's such a specific vision We're all in this together, guys. Yes, of togetherness. He presents this as a literal visual a lot of times, but the idea of Percybeth as sort of this back-to-back, pulling each other up, but also this idea that it would not occur to them to try to survive the experience without the other person, I think is such a vital part of this. It's not just about an absence of hope or an absence of technical ability. There's something so specific about the emotional connection and the sense of obligation on like a deep level creating this inevitability that as an individual person, it would not make sense to try and survive this. But then as two people, it does make sense. Yeah. And I I would extend that even further as much as we've criticized the seven for not feeling like a team in many ways (laughs) throughout this book and the alternating, if you'll remember, the POV alternates between four Percy or Annabeth chapters and then four chapters from somebody who's not Percy or Annabeth. And we keep going back and forth on the two sides of this timeline of what's going on. And it's not just Percy and Annabeth who are like, we have each other and we have to finish. Throughout the book, they think about the other half of the quest. Percy or Annabeth will say, we have to meet them. They're coming for us on the other side of the doors. Or Hazel will be like, I have to get through this because I have to save Percy and Annabeth. Like, they're going through hell for us. And they're really working, even though they can't communicate, they have no idea about the logistics of how they're going to get to each other. They keep each other going, which is amazing. Mm. She took stock of their situation. Annabeth put her arm around his waist, though she wasn't sure who was supporting whom. Period. That's that's important. That's literature. That is, that is the canon. That's the canon. That is the canon that we seek for for the children, for the future, you know? like This is why they're the greatest love story of all time. Period. Thank you, Caitlin. A plus. I said it. 10 out of 10. You get an A. I just keep staring at the cover art because... At first glance, you could be like, oh, Percy's carrying Annabeth. But then the more you look at it, the more it looks like she is also holding him up. It's mutual. It it is. And it used to bother me how Annabeth doesn't have her dagger. She's literally weaponless throughout the majority of the book. And you could read that as like a Percy is the physical protector thing. But it just does not. It's not that way at all. Throughout these chapters in the rest of this book, they both come up with plans. They both have the physical yeah. prowess in these it's fights. It's so important. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's so equal. They see the fiat, if you will remember, that plummeted through the air when the Argo 2 smashed into Arachne's yep. cave and in took her into Tartarus. We were just in Italy <laughs> and Italian cars. Apparently not everyone drives a Toyota Corolla, whatever. Um, And um, they decide to go over and check 
to see if Arachne is still in the trap because at this point we don't know can monsters even die in Tartarus like what are the rules here we have no idea they see that Arachne has like escaped the trap basically she's somewhere Annabeth again she thinks about how enraged by the unfairness of it all she is excellent 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 (laughs) and then she has the idea that they need to find the river of fire so many more good lines of them just making each other smile and Percy hyping up Annabeth. Just go back and reread and take note of all of those, yes. everyone. At this point, plot-wise, we are descending down a cliff face into a canyon because we have to get to the river fire that Annabeth mentioned, which is called the Phlegathon. <laughs> Percy's right. Like, the joke about this is spot on. Sounds it- like a marathon for hawking spitballs, <laughs> Percy says. And Annabeth, while they're scaling down the cliff face, says, please don't make me laugh. <laughs> they just go on to talk about what tastes like. It's meant to taste like a ghost pepper. I've personally never, like... I'm not, I can't handle spice to save my life. But we were like just coming with similes to really envision it. (laughs) Basically, I was like, think me drinking full cream milk in my iced coffee with ice cream while I'm lactose intolerant. Simply a bad idea, but I cannot live without it. Which for anyone who's lactose intolerant, if you know, you know. (laughs) Maybe if Frank Zhang had fallen into Tartarus instead of Percy (laughs) Annabeth and he had drank from the River of Fire, it would have tasted like like whole milk. (laughs) 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 Woo! (laughs) I thought it was so funny that Rick was like, it's fire and therefore it's spicy. spicy, Right? Because it's hot. Creativity. We love... There's so much imagery that makes me think of other books here, like with Annabeth pouring the fire water down Percy's throat because it's going to heal them of all of the Tartarus-induced boils that are breaking out in their body because of the sulfur air that they're getting and being freezing cold from landing in the River of Lamentation. And Annabeth has to, like, force-feed him this fire water, and then they, like, convulse until they're better again and that reminded me of catching fire really specifically you know when they get those boils from the mist in catching fire Mm -hmm. and they have to like shove themselves into the water made me think about harry you know force feeding dumbledore that water in half-blood prince like it's just such a common image yes you drool when you sleep like (laughs) annabeth being by his bedside i don't know the healing each other it's everything at this point we're healed, but now they have to pause and be like, wait, now that we're alive, what now? What next? We have no idea where anything is, how to accomplish things. The first step in this is them sort of taking stock of where they are, what's going on from the text. We haven't seen all of it, she warned. This could just be the first tiny part of the abyss, like the front steps, the welcome mat, Percy muttered. Yeah, so Annabeth knows about like the rivers of the underworld, for instance, like those are their ways in. But of course, <laughs> the whole gag of this is that no one has ever been here before. So no one knows where anything is. There's no documentation of how one would find one's way yeah. through Tartarus. And also like to shout out Rick's side, there's also not, okay, I'm pretty sure I have not done an extensive research about this, but I'm pretty sure there's not like an extensive literary tradition that describes Tartarus either. So I think he's also yeah, similarly Yeah, actually, I have a note on that own. because I did a one shot one time about Percy going to the fields of punishment and so I was trying to describe like the underworld and like parts of Tartarus and so I had to like do my own research and like compare it to like canon like Percy Jackson canon and then like actual I guess literary sources I mean if if you don't count Percy Jackson or whatever (laughs) but like there isn't a lot there so like Rick really had a lot of free reign to do with this and I think he did it really well because it's clear how like stark the imagery is again like i'm not going to shut up about about this like bloody imagery but like (laughs) it's so good 
Everything about it is just so good. The idea of taking the five rivers of the underworld and the idea that Tartarus is a pit, so naturally the rivers just flow downhill, that makes perfect perfect sense. sense. Like, you're going to find all the rivers gushing straight down into the depths of Tartarus. At some point, they talk about how they just keep walking downhill, and that is so scary. Just reread these pages where they come up with the plan. They basically realize that what they need to do is follow the rivers downhill to the heart of Tartarus, to the doors of death. And if they skirt the banks of the Phlegathon, then they can, like, keep replenishing their health. Who wrote about Dark Percy? Because this me. is giving me a flash <laughs> of Punk Percy. Do you remember when that was a thing? Yeah. There's a specific fan art that's, like, in my head right now. Is it the Vario one with the his spiky hair? And yeah. the vest? Yeah, yes. okay. Punk Percy. Anyway, so plot-wise, we come back to, I think, Arachne pops out from behind Annabeth. So Annabeth, like, completely doesn't even have time to react. And Percy just pulls out Riptide and just goes at it. Swipes her like, down in one, in go. one arc. Yes, literally a blink of an eye. And, like, Annabeth doesn't even have time to react. And I just wrote, like, this is the taste we get of Dark Percy killing Arachne in cold blood. Hashtag hot girl shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he later says to Annabeth in a tone that she, I guess, cannot really recognize is, she died too easy considering how much torture she put you through. She deserved worse. <laughs> kind of hot, not gonna lie. No, <laughs> his expression grim and dissatisfied. She died too easy. That's the descriptor for how he says that line. So hot. And then he follows it up with this line, gotta watch each other's backs. It sets up what the conflict is going to be for this book, which is not, thank God, so refreshingly, it is not, wow, Tartarus is putting a strand in our relationship. Can you imagine? I feel like with 90% of people who would take this as a plot framework to people in a couple who have only recently been reunited make their way through hell what is the conflict in that going to be it's probably going to be about the relationship right the way that rick says no that's boring and the way that we all agree with them is so powerful and this moment is where you get that the conflict is not that they would ever turn on each other or that they're dissatisfied with each other that's not the conflict the conflict is about similar to mark of athena he sets it up as being about trying to like maintain healthiness in the relationship as they encounter new challenges where the obstacles are not about them questioning their compatibility with each other or frankly doing a lot of boring things that people do to keep romance stories alive for extended periods of time the challenge here is about percy similarly learning a different form of boundary he needs to set this time not in terms of his Mm. direct relation to annabeth but within himself like what is he willing to do for the relationship to protect you were a 17 year old that is the next step i don't want to read about a 17 year old boy being like oh like i wonder if i'm actually in love with my girlfriend as we make our way through hell no No, it's how violent that's not am i gonna kill your enemy how far am I willing to push myself for this relationship? That's what we want. That's how you build an iconic story. That is how you teach the children about what it means to be in partnership with another person. Did I make that person who hurt you suffer enough? Maybe not. And the way that we're going to explore that and the way that we meet people who challenge his perspective about this and force him to grow in ways that teach him, you know, the value of integrity and of consequences consequences, of valuing other people of like how to balance being in a relationship with being like a full and healthy person who respects everyone there's so much it's so important it's It's the greatest love story ever told is not like other girls unfortunately no one does it like if people want to try and make copycats we like i personally like i i invite that please please try to write things like this i would love to see lots of things in the world that feature this type of thing i'm trying that's true i'm sorry that was that was a little bit shady (laughs) 
I'm trying, Carter. Jake was not intended. <laughs> no, it's fine. None taken. It's all good. I have to <laughs> reference. Caitlin, you've, you've read the whole. You have. I know you have. What hit for me so hard about Kaz and Inej was the... Yes. Leave Bird a good time. Was the like teammate element, but they have different baggage and they experience many, many ups and downs in their relationships, or it's not the same way that their relationship is on solid terms and then they face things together. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it still several levels below Persbeth for me. Yeah. What makes yeah. Persbeth so good is that it so often is not about their relationship. It's and I know true. that's what it's bothers true. people about Persebeth somewhat in the text they're like oh we didn't see it develop it developed and it happened and there's more important things to worry about like people have this idea of developing (laughs) yeah like like you need to see it like no conflict hating each other it's not that they never disagree about things like it's just that that's not not every relationship not every relationship gonna like take that arc yes the idea that like a good relationship needs to develop through like existential trauma and and suffering that like, like no. make you constantly question whether or not you should be in the relationship is just incorrect why why do we teach ourselves this why do we teach the children this yeah like it's like why do we teach people that love has to be painful <laughs> it doesn't need to be it's not that they don't make sacrifices it's just different it's just different also so many people you guys now we're getting heated <laughs> now that we're all you know because we have a guest that's like exactly the same as us then we, like, you know get riled up but like so many people say well Persebeth is a bad ship because it's a trauma bond they bonded because of the trauma they experienced in Tartarus bitch I implore you to reread these first four chapters of the House of Hades and see that they are already the greatest love story ever told before this happens they have already bonded they are already a team they have every thing that they need to be an incredible love story and a wonderful ship before they experience this pain together yes yes to every single word it's very true it's very true (laughs) all right let's let's continue (laughs) let's get through this there's only a little bit left as they're making their way downstream next to the flagathon who do they run into but our delightful Mm. our delightful old friend kelly the impausa (laughs) we love a reprise we love callbacks and this book it dives deep famously one of the most important callbacks in this book is to the collection of short stories that occurred between the battle of the labyrinth and uh, the last olympian which Which we have still still not we're gonna do obviously we have to do it before we meet Bob. We're going to do them as breaks in between this book, so we'll get to them soon. Yes. yes. But anyway, callbacks are so, so important. So much of the richness of this text and the series is about the fact that we have a world, and the world is not just laws and species names and languages. It is people. It's like a texture of people who we've experienced at different points in our lives and our developments. Mm. And Kelly is such an important part of this. Kelly, <laughs> Kelly, coming from the early stages in Annabeth's development as a feminist, um, <laughs> and also from the early stages of their perhaps tumultuous um, development into um, a full relationship as teenagers, <laughs> Kelly the Impausa is back, and she is with a horde of other Impausa, and it seems like Kelly knows the way to the Doors of Death. So... Well, that's convenient. I guess we're going to be following Kelly. That's so convenient. That was my my note about this book. Like, the idea that we're in Tartarus, and so we can truly get a reprise of any monster we have ever faced throughout this series. Mm. We're going to get the most callbacks, the reprises of all the monsters. This book is the 11 o'clock number where we reprise the big theme. We bring everyone out on stage for chaos and hoopla absolutely before the absolutely final act. we need it we're gonna meet so many other people back again it's like the lost olympian like that final battle like you know how like the minotaur came back exactly but, but more on steroids but giving us <laughs> so the, much the volume more. and intensity that we deserve and that we need for the stakes yeah. that we've established for ourselves yeah. yes 800 people on stage kick lining together into doom that is what this book it's is giving about. that one rent number where we're all singing our own parts no day but today <laughs> no day but today 
It's very true. I kind of alluded to this earlier. For me, maybe this doesn't register with anyone else because Kelly does try to kill lots of people. But <laughs> it makes me a little sad to read the way that Annabeth talks about Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. I, it also made me sad. It's not very it punk did. rock. It's like not. <laughs> Except it is punk rock in the tradition of the original. It's the original tradition of punk rock of being like Avril Lavigne first two albums. Like, ah ha ha. <laughs> I'm the real girl. Sucks to be the old girl. Ah ha ha. Courage in 17 hair flips. I just did. Really beautiful. <laughs> it's not like Avril Lavigne does hair flips. That was not, that was not appropriate for this. But um, you get the draft. Annabeth has not probably consumed the seminal texts that are like Jennifer's body and various <laughs> others about the importance of like women devouring men's bodies as a form of uh, <laughs> feminist empowerment she doesn't get it yet it's fine yeah, she has time okay. she yeah, has she'll time figure out in college in my head she'll get there but like we <laughs> she does say some things about kelly and like the way that she presents as like wearing a skirt and having vocal fry probably and all of these things as being signifiers and linked to her evilness she emphasized on the cheerleaders outfit again i remember yes. that yes Yes. Hmm. Okay. Okay, Rick. We're going to have a conversation later with Kelly where we talk a little bit about whose side she should be on. And I think that's a really interesting conversation. In- yes. A few chapters. Uh, She says, They had a powerful ability to manipulate the mist. They could change shape and charm speak, tricking mortals into letting down their guard. Men were especially susceptible. So just reiterating what we talked about on our last episode with Owen from the Through the Mist podcast, charm speak and mist manipulation kind of go hand in hand. They're not the exact same power, but they're very related. They have to do with convincing people of the reality that they want to experience. We love that men are especially susceptible they are. It's true, Rick. You were right. <laughs> and of course, we, we sweet little Annabeth. Oh. I feel so many ways about this, you guys. I feel so many ways about this. Let's she read thinks it. about Luke here. <laughs> Kelly had almost killed Percy. Not a great first date. She had manipulated Annabeth's oldest friend, Luke, urging him to commit darker and darker deeds in the name of Kronos. Annabeth really wished she still had her dagger. Oldest friend? Girl! Girl. <laughs> Did you not meet Talia at the exact same time as this boy? Talia, who did not betray you, Talia, who's still alive, Talia, I'm with sorry, whom friend? you could text <laughs> at any moment. He was your friend? Is that how we've categorized him in our brains? To I only saw him as a brother. <laughs> okay, Annabeth. Oh, <laughs> he was girl. like my big brother the whole time. Like, okay. We really did not get enough closure in that moment. Like, I don't know if we need Annabeth to sit there and be like, how much of that was me lying to myself and how much of that was me lying to him? Maybe that's not good writing, but ooh, ooh. This moment is hard in a lot of ways. This is really doubling down as well. Let's look at that last line. The last line is about Annabeth wishes she could kill this person for telling Luke to do bad things and then Luke having done them. That is extremely giving. The way that we just emphasize this moment of Percy being like, I want to kill your enemies for you. And Annabeth sitting here yet again, thinking to herself, she wished she could kill this woman who manipulated Luke. That hurts so bad. It hurts me so bad. Bestie, do better. But at the same time, this is my other feeling about it, is that it would make so much sense for Annabeth to reference Luke in her narration. He was a huge part of her life. She's 17. She hasn't had therapy yet. (laughs) He was her only family for years. They had a very serious, whatever you want to call it, kind of relationship. And she would think about him in these kinds of moments. Yes. It's completely realistic. And it just catches us off guard because we haven't gotten that much of Annabeth's POV yet. But it's it's totally realistic. It's hard not because he shouldn't have written it this way. It's hard because... It's so true, Bestie. It's hard because it's so true, Bestie. It's hard because (laughs) Bestie's child, girl. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) 
that's basically the last thing. That about wraps it up. Yeah, we're following Kelly now. (laughs) Kelly's taking us into the darker depths. We're due for more Kelly. We're due for a stronger interrogation of why do we see Kelly as the enemy and what is her relationship yeah, with the new powers she be Hazel the is getting? What actually was she Luke? Maybe Annabeth can get some closure through this, kind of. Yes. Although, of course. Not really. Not really. <laughs> and therapy is the correct answer. But, like, you know, lots of questions for us to, to answer as we, um, as we move forward. <laughs> wow. I know that people have some extra thoughts about Tartarus. Any other ideas about this section of four chapters before we close out here? about the Phlegathon being so hot, it's almost cold. And I don't know if I saw this, like, I think maybe this is me as a writer, like, I like the idea that, like, the colouring of Tartarus could be blue, like an icy blue, rather than the stereotypical red, just because I think it'd be, like, nice to play off. Like, I like, think Hades, Hercules, mm-hmm. his blue fire. I don't know, just a thought. The cover of our Tartarus playlist, and I have it in our outline, it's the art of Percivath falling by Burge on Tumblr. It's, like, purple. And I like that a lot, the idea that Tartarus is kind of like this dirt purple color. It's not that red. It's not that blue. It's like all of it mixing mm. together. This is just definitely tangent. But like, it was just, obviously, I've spent like years on Tumblr about Percy Jackson. But like, it was a text post talking about Percy's eye color. And we know like, it's a very bright sea green. But we've like heard that like, sometimes it kind of changes color. And then the text post was a headcanon about Percy's eyes reflecting the color of the nearest, largest water source. And then, like, you can imagine him being in Tartarus next to the Phlegathon, and he's got, like, burning red eyes. When you, later in the chapters, spoiler, um, we have, like, that scene. You know that scene? I'll I'll say that bloodbending potential scene. (laughs) That imagery of, like, Percy Mm -hmm. with, like, red eyes. Like, you don't know, is he the bad guy? Is he the good guy? And then he becomes this beautiful, morally gray character that we haven't seen yeah. And, Hashtag um, punk rock Percy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hashtag punk rock Percy. I indeed. love and appreciate this this trio. I love just bathing in similar opinions. Sometimes <laughs> it's nice to just be validated. It's and true. It's true. what's it called? It's like bouncing off. Echo chamber. Echo chamber. <laughs> this has been the most delightful echo chamber of an episode to yeah. participate in. There were several moments here, whether or not it comes out through in the editing, where people were saying the exact same thing at the same yeah. time. It was just beautiful. The same words. We are truly Ben Shapiro's worst nightmare. Um. <laughs> Before we go caitlin i don't i'm not personally a person that reads a lot of fan fiction but i do read everything that you write (laughs) you have been on this journey and you've just recently completed this thing you were writing so tell the people about it okay that's very touching that you follow my stuff (laughs) so basically it's like a mortal university alternate universe of percy and annabeth it's like a self-indulgent thing where i was just like well, I'm in uni. I'm going through my finals. <laughs> I wonder what it would be like if Percy and Annabeth had met during their like finals and like what would their love story have been if they had met later in life, had their own like issues and like who they were as like as people and as individuals. And yeah, I've just finished it. So if you would like to check it out, it is on my Instagram account at Percybeth Feels Fandom. And then I'm actually currently outlining another one i don't know when it will go up so it might be a while but for those listening for those listening here you guys you guys get an extra hint (laughs) exclusive scoop it will be a childhood to lovers mortal au so like i'm thinking they met in kindergarten and then like they're best friends and then like where that takes them like that's all i'll give you for now 
but to the listeners of the Secret Brain Podcast, you guys Woo! get that. No one else is getting it, only you guys. We have been getting exclusive <laughs> scoops lately from our guests. You have to subscribe and listen to Seaweed Brain for all the latest updates on your favorite <laughs> creators. So exciting. We'll make sure that you can go check out Caitlin's Insta page through our show notes. You can also go check out our new Tartarus playlist immediately right after listening. Thank you both so much for being here today. It was such a pleasure. Next week, we'll be joined by a brand new guest. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>